This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSC.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk. Sports Talk Media Network here on a Monday night. Good to have you with us. This is a host-free Monday night once again, coming off the weekend. So shortly, we'll turn things over to you, hear what you have to say about the weekend and what is coming up. Phil Kornblut and Pat Daniel here in Columbia. And we're joined by Chris Bergen, who tonight, he's left the comfy confines of the Bergie Palace, and he's gone up to his upstate estate to... Uh, Which is actually a nicer Bergie Palace. <laughs> <laughs> and and preparing, he has to go up early to prepare to question Dabo Sweeney tomorrow. This is true. Yeah. This is true. I, I wanted to listen to his coach's show tonight so I can get some uh, comments from Tyler. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no telling who you'll hear from on that. Um <laughs> So we've got uh, plenty to talk about. I was at, uh, where was I? I was at Clemson on Saturday. And, uh, Chris, you had uh, Coastal. Smitty was at uh, South Carolina and Vanderbilt. And I'm thinking Smitty will be joining us here in just a little bit. Otherwise, we will uh, know Ernest tonight. Ernest has got basketball with South Carolina State. So we will uh, discuss everything that went on over the weekend and then get to your phone calls, 888-898-2525. And, well, it was anything but a calm weekend and a calm day today in terms of the college football coaching world with Jimbo Fisher getting the axe at uh, Texas A&M yesterday and then Mississippi State uh, firing their coach today before he even got through a full season. And, you know, I'm not surprised by any of this anymore. A few years ago, you'd be surprised, and you'd roll your eyes and just talk about how crazy college athletics is. But it's just it's just the norm now, and the desire to win and win big and win at all costs is overwhelming uh, people in charge and the payout that they're going to pay Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M to most uh, corporations would be tough to swallow, but apparently to Texas A&M, it's a walk in the park for them, and they're more than happy to pay him, well, what will be, after he gets his lump sum of money, they're going to be paying him over $7 million a year for years to come from that uh, outrageous contract that, what was it, 70-something million dollar contract that he ended up signing when he came from Florida State. Uh, Arnett's deal there at Mississippi State, not nearly as expensive, and Mississippi State must be uh, you know, deciding just – they don't see it going in the right direction at all, though you didn't really give the guy a chance. How do you know? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh, though I did question, I don't know what's happened uh, since uh, Mississippi State played in Columbia, you, you know, but he, he, you had Will Rogers as your quarterback, and you tried to, from what the little bit that I've watched of him and in preparing for their game when they played South Carolina, it seemed as if he was trying to move away from that offense and move away from mm-hmm. Will Rogers. Which, you know, you had one of the leading passers of all time in NCAA football history 
uh, and, and you're trying to go to a, like a triple option or an option-style offense. So I, I don't know if that had something to do with it. This guy's a defensive-minded coach to begin with, so I don't know if the fit was good. Uh, so uh, they're looking, and let's see, San Diego State has come open. Uh, Hoke uh, announcing that he's going to be, uh, or it's going to be announced, or he has announced that he's going to be retiring. So it's that time of year, fellas. Uh, Penn State fired their offensive coordinator. So if you're a head coach that feels the heat, then you fire coaches. And if you're a head coach who's already cooked, <laughs> then you're going to get fired. So it's that time of year, right? Now pick your poison. Well, to me, I'm, I'm not sure which side I am more impressed with. The ineptitude of the Texas A&M, I think they call them Board of Regents, to in, you know initially give Jimbo Fisher that mammoth, outrageous contract or the ability of his agent to talk Texas A&M into that contract. I'm not sure which is more impressive, but it just it stunned me that they're going to be able to basically just cut him a check and to go away. Here's $76 million so you don't have to coach anymore. And I am curious about the Zach Arnett situation because it came so quickly this morning on the heels of Texas A&M. You don't suppose they, Mississippi State believes they're in the same bidding war with whomever Texas A&M believes they've got in the – because I can't imagine A&M would have kicked Jimbo Fishers to the curb without already having somebody pretty much ready to go. So I'm curious if Mississippi State thought, hey, they may be going after the same guy, <clears throat> Dan Lanning, uh, that we want. Mm. So let's get rid of our coach so we can start the bidding process with him and his agent right now. Well, personally, I couldn't see Dan Lanning leaving Oregon for Mississippi State. Uh, that would be a major I, I would step agree with down. That. You know, a major step down. Now, you know, Texas A&M because – Look, mm-hmm. if they're paying Jimbo Fisher that kind of money, the next guy's got to be thinking, well, how much are you going to pay me, especially if I'm a big name? The other thing here, too, and this is what is so – one of the things that's so um, uneven about the way the college uh, coaching hiring scene works, you basically got one agent who's got his hands on all the big names, and that's Jimmy Sexton. And so right. what does Jimmy Sexton do? Of course, he can play one of his clients against another. And just shuffle them around. I think it's pretty ridiculous how the colleges and the ADs have somehow, some way allowed themselves to get put into this corner with Jimmy Sexton and his enterprise out there in Memphis, where, I mean, he is the one who is raising the price on all these guys because he's got the uh, the clients in his back pocket. Maybe I shouldn't be blaming the ADs. I mean, it's not their fault that all the coaches are signing with this guy. Why are the sure. coaches signing with this guy? Because he can go get them the money. And they're willing to give him the money. He's willing to make the money for him. And it goes round and round that way. And you end up having a situation where one guy, you might be interviewing three or four different coaches, and one guy might have them all. And, you know, that is – I'm sure there's got to be a law against that. Maybe not. I guess because it happens, nobody's ever done anything about it. But it certainly is a strange way to do business. As for the the on-the-field stuff – up at Clemson on Saturday, and the Tigers, they took care of their business for sure. They looked very good, uh, except for a couple of three runs by uh, Georgia Tech. Uh, that offense was pretty much snuffed out by the Clemson defense. They were on target, and they got after Georgia Tech from the very beginning. Offensively, obviously, the Tigers uh, ran the ball well. And, again, they asked Klubnik to uh, – you know, not put the ball in jeopardy and just, uh, you know, uh, they didn't take too many shots uh, down the field, but they did have some spectacular completions and they did have some spectacular catches and some 
short catches and runs, uh, and some good runs as well. Shipley uh, and uh, Maffa both broke uh, broke off some very nice runs. Uh, the bad news is they lost uh, their tight end, one of their tight ends, Sage Ennis, for the season with an ACL. So a good win for Clemson, a win that uh, they should have should have gotten, uh, and they won it the way they should have. Uh, you know, in Columbia, I mean, complete domination by the Gamecocks, uh, and they beat Vanderbilt the way they should have beat Vanderbilt without any mm-hmm. questions being asked. And uh, all aspects of the game except for the breakdown on special teams that one time, but they made up for it by uh, blocking a punt and scooping and scoring. But otherwise, uh, you know, Rattler was uh, on target. Leggett was doing uh, some big-time stuff. Simon continues to come on and catch a lot of balls for him. Um, Anderson continues to run extremely hard. I don't know that I've ever seen anybody run as hard as Mario Anderson runs. I mean, and that's obviously an exaggeration. There's, uh, there's been others. But just to watch him run, it's like this guy never quits. And if you don't get him down, he's just going to keep on churning. And um, I thought he, you know, thought he ran the ball pretty well against Vanderbilt. Overall, a good performance for South Carolina. They won that game the way they should have won it. Uh, they they took care of the two games that were their get right games. Now they get Kentucky. I think they get Kentucky at an excellent time for them with Kentucky getting hammered by uh, Alabama up in Lexington on Saturday. I mean, a real beatdown, a physical uh, beatdown that they took uh, against uh, Alabama. Alabama uh, ran the ball on them, uh, threw the ball on them, stopped Kentucky from running the ball. I think South Carolina, though they are the underdog, has a very good chance to win this game and pull themselves within a game of bowl eligibility with Clemson coming to town. By the way, that game will be a 7.30 kickoff, the Palmetto Bowl, 7.30 kickoff in Columbia on the SEC Network uh, two Saturdays away. Meantime, Clemson gets North Carolina uh, this coming weekend. North Carolina won a thriller against Duke in overtime. It was a heck of a game in Chapel Hill, and a lot of points scored. The North Carolina defense can still give up a lot of points, but they can score a lot of points. And their field goal kicker, I think, nailed six field goals on the day. I think it was six, five or six. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. I think he had six and actually tied or broke a record that North Carolina had had for years against Duke. I think the original school record was five or six field goals in a game against Duke. So, yeah, in May, of course, 300-plus yards passing. Uh, Hampton, the running back, had a big day running and catching the ball out of the back, backfield. So this will be a true test for the Clemson defense against a legitimate uh, big-time offense. Mm-hmm. Now, they've shut this offense down pretty much last year in the ACC championship game. Um, and they have pretty much the same uh, players. Uh, so is there reason to think that, um, that Clemson won't do it again? I don't know. I, I think that you got to give North Carolina its due and its credit, and Clemson's defense had, had better be ready to play at a high level against uh, a quality offense. And then offensively for Clemson, you feel like you go to the same formula which is uh, run the football, run the football, and kind of take the, the pressure off of Klubnik and, and kind of pick and choose when you want to throw the football. Though, I would say, as Tyler Brown continues to get better, maybe they get Antonio Williams back here once again from another injury. Um, Bo Collins um, continues to give him a bit of a deep threat 
uh, and Brenningstool at tight end. I mean, they've got they've got uh, a, a good enough receiving core where if they feel like they have to throw the football, uh, they got people they can get the ball uh, who who can do some damage catching the football. Uh, if you can get Klubnik into a, a comfort zone and into a rhythm where he good, feels good throwing the football. So that is uh, Clemson, South Carolina, and you had Coastal. And i got to think, you know, Tim Beck, you got to give him a lot of credit for the job no he's question. done uh, to get them to seven wins now, preparing to go t- up to a West Point and uh, having to play your third-string quarterback and holding everything together like that, he deserves a heck of a lot of credit. Well, I'll get to Coastal in just a minute, but you mentioned tonight is a host-free Monday, and that's a challenge, I think, for our listeners, Phil, because normally on a Monday, somebody's angry about something. It's a mad Monday. It's a manic Monday. Today's got to be a merry Monday, right? Touched on Clemson. Football team played, as Dabo pointed out last night, probably its most complete game of the year. Men's basketball with a pair of thrilling comeback wins to claim the Asheville championship. And then, oh, by the way, men's soccer also claimed the ACC tournament championship yesterday. Then you go to South Carolina, clearly, no question, their best football performance of the year. Men's basketball with a dynamite win on Friday night over Virginia Tech. South Carolina's women's team just obliterating Maryland yesterday, scoring the most points in program history against a ranked team. And now they're number one in the country today, probably deservedly, because this team is as good, perhaps maybe even a little better, just because of the style of play they can execute now with transition buckets and also shooting from the outside. So I can't imagine Gamecock fans are upset. Can't imagine Tiger fans are upset about anything. And then you come to Coastal, and Coastal's defense, if you just saw the final score, 31-23 against Texas State, you think, gosh, that must have been a really, really good game. Actually, it wasn't for two and a half quarters. Texas State scored on the opening possession, and then Coastal held in the three points until the final three minutes of the game. I mean, it was, you know, 31-10. to Late in the ball game, they got a touchdown, recovered an onside kick, scored again, and then Coastal was able to run out the clock. But and then they got help on Saturday night from Marshall, knocking off Georgia Southern. So now Coastal sitting in a position. This weekend obviously doesn't matter in the Sun Belt race, but you'd like to keep that winning streak going. But if they beat James Madison at home in two weeks, they're the Sun Belt East champions and will play Troy in the Sun Belt title game for a second straight year to try and win the championship. And you talk about Tim Beck if he pulls that off. Mm. He's got to be coach of the year in the Sun Belt without question because this was a team at the end of September that was 0-2 in the Sun Belt and left for dead. And they have resurrected that team and playing about as well as anybody right now. And as you pointed out, doing it with three separate quarterbacks since the Arkansas State game, it's a remarkable turnaround to say the least. Absolutely. He deserves a lot of credit for what he's done. Okay, Smitty will be joining us here in just a little bit. He was taking care of some network business this afternoon and is just getting back to his studio location. So he'll be joining us here in just a little bit. Phone number 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. It's time now to turn it over to you. It's a host-free Monday night. We put you on the clock. Going to give you about two minutes each to 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 share your thoughts. As, as, uh, as Bergie just pointed out, there ain't a whole lot to complain about. Uh, <laughs> did you mention? Oh, and by the way, yeah. And by the way, I forgot. Furman fans ought to be thrilled. Outright Southern Conference Championship for the first time since 2018. And Benedict, Benedict <laughs> won uh, their championship game yeah. as well. Um, and Clemson soccer, men's soccer, won the ACC mm-hmm. championship yeah. today. They were given the number nine seed in the NCAA tournament, so they get a 
uh, first round bye, and they'll host uh, a game uh, next week. Uh, and you got the Clemson women and the South Carolina women advancing in the tournament, and they've got games coming up uh, later on this week. So we've got a lot of good stuff going on, people. What are you going to do? Nothing to complain about. Does it mean you can't pick up the phone and and share your thoughts, share your share your joy? Oh, and the other thing, of course, uh, next week being a short week with Thanksgiving, go ahead and start taking those picks on the South Carolina-Clemson, Clemson-South Carolina game. Give us your predictions on that. And uh, as I mentioned, a 7.30 kickoff on that one on the SEC Network. The uh, weather, based on my uh, handy little app here that gives me 45 days in advance, uh, weather forecasting, okay? So the 24th, we are looking at, now that we know it's a night game, we're looking at, uh, no, it's the 25th. We're looking at 61 degrees during the day, mostly sunny, and a clear night, 50 degrees. So that sounds perfect. That sounds perfect, perfect for the 25th, if you trust my handy-dandy weather app. And the night game, I, I've got to help South Carolina, don't you think, because they play so well at home, but they just seem to get a lot more energy out of the crowd. And obviously, night games are different in college football, but I think that game being played at night – much like the game last year being played at noon, I think helps South Carolina as a road team. I think having that game at 7.30 at night in Columbia certainly helps what will be an underdog South Carolina team. Whether or not they win is another story, but I think that's certainly uh, good news for Gamecock fans. Yeah, well, definitely. The, they were probably praying for a night game. They just they play so much better. This is why um, I'm thinking, you know, I, I, before this past weekend, I was thinking Clemson for the big game. Um now I'm a little more up in the air. I can't get past the the rattler. I sound like Beamer when I say that. The rattler, the the rattler <laughs> to Leggett uh, connection at South Carolina, which appears to be unstoppable. Uh, and the fact that um, offensively, I think South Carolina can move the ball and score on Clemson. Defensively, can the Gamecocks slow down the Clemson running game and make Klubnik? How is Klubnik going to handle his first? Carolina Clemson, Clemson Carolina game under the lights at Williams Bryce. That can be unnerving. Just ask Rodney Williams. Okay, let's go to your phone calls. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. We have got a nice run ahead of host free Monday night. We put you on the clock. Let's go to John. He is in his kitchen in South Carolina. We would assume kitchen South Carolina. Hello, John. The show is yours. Hey, Welcome in. I just want to know how it wasn't a touchback in the Florida State University of Miami game. Explain further, or maybe Pat or somebody. I I didn't see that because I was at a game. I did not so, either. Uh, Pat, did you see that? No. So you, explain then, because you got us all in the dark. Well, it kind of happened in the Clemson game too. The university, if you watch the Clemson game, when you had Clemson down there on a goal line and they, they, it was a touchback and they put it out on the, uh, or safety. Safety. Should have been a safety, they, that play. Right. Right. Don't you think it should have been a safety? Sure looked like it. And yeah, that, uh, I think we were confused by the, the touchback comment, but yeah, and Chris, Phil, if y'all, oh, okay. still, if y'all still didn't Excuse see it. Uh, no, no, you're, you're okay. You're yeah. okay. Uh, there was a play and where, in the where Miami. And game. Yep. If you Google that, I mean, if you didn't watch it, which, you know, a lot of people should have. But um, 
it, it was, it, I just can't understand what this thing is with uh, everybody going against the U. Conspiracy. They're not America's yeah. team now. That's Michigan, apparently, according to uh, Harbaugh. Michigan is, is America's team. Not even the Cowboys anymore. It's Michigan is America's team. What's he talking about, Pat? Did you, you got an idea about what he's talking about? Yeah, there was a play during that game where it sure looked like Jordan Travis. I mean, he was in the end zone. Jordan Travis was scrambling back. Two defenders from Miami were were closing in on him quick. He then kind of stepped and sidestepped, which you would think would then nullify forward progress because, again, he on purpose took a step back so as to escape the defender. The defender then tackled him, and he the ball was clearly across the white line in the end zone, along with Travis's entire body, it sure looked like it should have been a safety. And he references a very similar play in the Clemson game earlier this season. But the the referees huddled up, and they actually called forward progress and that Jordan Travis had made it successfully out of the end zone. But a lot of folks, including the announcers on TV, seemed a little confused by that. And that would have completely changed the game. I mean, uh, Miami would have been up 12 to 10 at halftime. halftime right? yeah. That's right, right. All right, thank you, John. Two minutes up. Got to move on. It's uh, host-free, caller-driven Monday night here on Sports Talk, but we do have to kind of limit the time because we want to get on as many people as we can. But we appreciate that very much. Let's go to um, Hank in Columbia. Hank, welcome in. You got a couple of minutes. Fire away. Hey, Corn, just wanted to call in. Uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the game, Doc. Um, the, the men, even as miserable and cold and wet as it was inside that stadium, um, they got it done. And, and it actually could have been worse if it wasn't for them three or four drops in the first half. <laughs> if you're going to say anything, there were a couple of drops that happened that, that probably where Carolina was shooting itself in the foot the first couple of quarters. But um, great game. And um, the um, – Watching the men's basketball, really, really encouraged by how they play, especially shooting above 50% from the three. And, and just the, the the way that B.J. Mack was able to play inside, so that was great. And, and then also, you know, I'm always going to salute the women. If Maryland came in full strength, corn, you can't talk about this player, that player missing. Mm-hmm. And the women completely dismantled Maryland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought about 12 opponents, and they, 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 they beat them like they were playing – um, their Division II uh, um, exhibition, and that's including the exhibition that was against a, a, a actually a Power Five opponent. I mean, a, you know, a Division One opponent. That's three straight games, all of them a hundred or over a hundred points. Um, and so, I think they're very deserving of being moved to the number one spot in the country. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. They look awfully good once again. Hank, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Let's uh, go to Gamecock Larry. He's got the two-minute warning. Gamecock Larry, it's all yours. Hello. Go ahead. It's all yours. You got two minutes, Larry. Yeah. Okay, I've totally got to say it's a good weekend for the Gamecocks. I don't care about Clemson, but I got one more to say on Dabo. Dabo. Now, now, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I had to jump in. Clemson had a good weekend, too. Okay, okay, but I want to dabble. This ain't Tyler from Spartanburg. This is Dame Guy Larry from Swansea. I've been calling that 1-800-DABBLE, and old dabble, they say, hold on, put you on hold. And I've been holding and holding and holding, but no dabble. Dabble. You fixing to go to Texas A&M, huh? 
I hear about it. I know about it. Yeah, old. This game got Larry Spartanburg. I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I got it. Yeah, but Dabo, I got it. I love old Dabo. No, I don't. I don't love him, no. <laughs> I'm just having fun laying here. Just listen to all you, all this. But this is a great weekend. I love all <laughs> I'm just having fun. Both yes, you buddy. are. Yes, you are. <laughs> all right. And I don't drink. Don't drink, so you know I must be smoking something. Uh, no, <laughs> all right, Larry, thank you. We're going to have to let you um, talk to the nurses or something. Probably got a real pretty nurse there helping him out, too, huh? He won't admit to that. All right, going to hit a break. Uh, we can uh, continue with your phone calls. It's a host-free Monday. Smitty's now connected. We'll get his thoughts on the Gamecocks. He was there. Back in a moment. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk on a Monday night. It's a host-free Monday night. If you want to take over the program for about a two-minute segment, give us a phone call, 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number. Smitty is now with us after finishing up some other work duties for the network this afternoon. Welcome in, Smitty. I, I touched on the Gamecocks and Vandy, but... But you were there. You saw it in person in the um, in the rain and the chill of Columbia and Williams Bryce. And I summed it up by saying the Gamecocks uh, did what they had to do. They beat a uh, inferior team soundly, and they should have some confidence going into Kentucky this week. Well, they absolutely should. And and this shouldn't even take two minutes for me to sum up what South Carolina did. But for those that, that need more praise heaped on the Gamecocks, how about the fact that was the best fourth quarter, four quarter performance of the season? Uh, they even had hiccups against Furman in the, in the big win, the blowout win over Mississippi state. But, you know, say, save the first two quarters they played against Georgia and maybe two and a half quarters against Florida. There was nothing like this that we had seen all season long. And especially on the defensive side, uh, they inserted Bam Martin Scott into the lineup and he, 13 tackles, one sack. I think that says it all. You, you can imagine what kind of impact that had. And they played downhill defensively, almost as if they were in Vanderbilt's huddle. They just knew what was coming. And then offensively, talk about doing what they had to do. Uh, they were completely balanced. Mm-hmm. Anytime that uh, Spencer Rattler was dropping back to pass, he looked comfortable. He looked like he knew he and his receivers were all on, all on the same page. He got pre- he, he got protection, and when he didn't get protection, he was able to easily elude Vanderbilt's players. So, yeah, you're right, Corn, that they did what they should have done. That's how you're supposed to beat an inferior opponent. But it's a performance we hadn't seen from South Carolina this season. We didn't see it against Furman. We didn't see it against Mississippi State. If they would have played this one in the fourth quarter against Vanderbilt, they'd be looking to get bowl eligible this week mm-hmm. instead of needing to win both of these next two games. So I, I think South Carolina fans can be really heartened by what they saw from the Gamecocks. Uh, and, and look, in part, it's because they, they were backed into a wall. Uh, we, we know the circumstance they were placed in by losing all of the swing games 
coming into this. They they didn't get it done when they had Georgia down. They didn't get it done when they were on top of Florida. They didn't get it done on the road at Missouri or Texas A&M or Tennessee. So they were backed into a corner. But what you have to say is they've responded. And Shane Beamer, like Dabo Sweeney, uh, you know, after their coaching career is over, they certainly can make money as a motivational speaker. No one can deny these guys can motivate. Hmm. And I think you've seen the last two weeks from both coaches, just two of the best performances from their team. Nothing X's and O's. This is not about strategy. This has been an attitude adjustment for both programs. Yeah. Well, and the question is, Chris, from a Gamecock standpoint, as you look ahead to the next two weeks, is it fool's gold what we've seen from the Gamecocks at the wins over Jacksonville State? Though that was a bit of a struggle. And Vanderbilt, is it fool's gold? Or have they fixed some things? And have they solved enough of their problems to where they can win these next two and, and find their, themselves in a bowl game come December sometime? Fool's gold is an interesting reference because uh, it, it may be spot on. The Jacksonville State game was clearly a lot closer, but I thought Jacksonville State was a, a better football team than I think most people gave them credit for being. And certainly Vanderbilt is not a good football team. So as you pointed out in the open, Carolina did to them exactly what they should have done to them. And let's face it, Kentucky is not the team we thought they were in September. I mean, mm-hmm. they have struggled since they hit October. They're not playing as well, and they're coming off a devastating loss to Alabama. So, But – all of that said, all you can do is line up and beat the teams in front of you. And if they beat Kentucky on Saturday, you, you've got a confident bunch going into Clemson. And then they'll find out whether or not any of this in November was fool's gold in matters. But confidence can go a long way for a team that did not appear to have much confidence at the end of October and barely got past Jacksonville State. Then had a really, really good performance this past Saturday against Vanderbilt. Let's see how they motivate and move into this coming Saturday against Kentucky, a game they can win. There's no question. Kentucky can beat them. Sure, mm-hmm. but this is a game the Gamecocks can win, and I think if they put the effort, especially defensive effort that they threw out against Vanderbilt, there's no reason they shouldn't win on Saturday. All right, our phone number triple eight eight nine eight two five two five South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number host free Monday night, but right now the hosts have to dominate because lines are open. So if you were worried about trying to get through. You can get through. Lines are open on this Monday night. It might be because there's nothing to complain about after the wins over the weekend, as Chris (laughs) pointed out. Yeah, this will give me a chance to go through uh, some other interesting notes. We've got um, got basketball tonight, so the basketball schedule tonight in the state looks like this. South Carolina will be at home against VMI, and it's Presbyterian tonight uh, playing at the Citadel. Uh, South Carolina State, home to uh, North Florida. Charleston Southern going to be cooking tonight against Johnson and Wales. Uh, that is the lineup in the state of South Carolina. You get the cooking thing right. Johnson and Wales <laughs> is a cooking well school, done. right? Yes. Yeah, well so done. Charleston Southern going to try and a new recipe tonight on, uh, on Johnson and Wales. Uh, good weekend for basketball over the weekend for Clemson as they won those two tight games in Asheville against UAB. And yesterday against Davidson, we talked about the USC women. Uh, Furman has won their first two games of the season, so they're off to a good start on the hardwood as well. I tell you, the Furman athletic program right now going like gangbusters between their their football program and their men's basketball program. Uh, also, over the weekend, the uh, around the state in football, besides uh, the ones we've talked about, Furman did beat VMI, you mentioned that, to uh, clinch the SOCON. Uh, outright. Uh, how about that Wofford Citadel game? 11-3. to 
Yeah, it just seems God. appropriate for two teams that were <laughs> no winless doubt. going in that you'd have an 11-3 to final score. But Wofford gets on the board with a W, and they'll finish up at home against Furman uh, on Saturday. Presbyterian, they lost at Drake, so they've lost uh, four in a row. Uh, South Carolina State, final home game for Buddy Pugh. Tough loss, three-point loss to Morgan State. Good ball game, had a chance. Didn't score a bunch of points in the second half. Morgan State did, and they end up winning that ball game. Uh, Charleston Southern loses at Robert Morris. Newberry, down year for them. They finish 4-7. and seven. They lose their last four, and they lose at Morris Hill Saturday. We talked about the Citadel. They'll wrap things up at East Tennessee uh, trying to get a W uh, before the season is over. Erskine did finish winless. They lose to Barton. They go 0-11. And uh, Limestone won at him, Emory and Henry, and the Saints are in the D2 playoffs. Uh, this would be the second year in a row for them in the D2 playoffs. They will play at Valdosta State uh, this coming Saturday. Benedict won the conference championship, they defeated um, Albany State, and they will have a home playoff game in two weeks in Division Two playoffs. So there you go. That's the way things went around the state on the football side of things. So got some teams with some things to play uh, mm-hmm. play for. Uh, Furman's going to go to the playoffs, be a high seed, and we've got Limestone, and we got Benedict in the D2. Uh, Clemson's going to go to a bowl game. Coastal's going to go to a bowl game. And the Gamecocks, if they can win out, they're going to go to a bowl game as well. Saw some bowl projections for Clemson. Not real crazy about most of them. One of them's got him in San Diego. Another one's got him in El Paso. Uh, this is what happens when, you know, maybe if they can win out, if they win out and get to eight wins, that will improve their bowl stock and they'll end up somewhere closer to home, maybe in Florida somewhere. Yeah, maybe back in the uh, Gator Bowl. We touched on that one last week or so, and it'd be ironic that they show up this year after the Gamecocks played there last year. But we talked about Tim Beck and the job he's done in his first season at Coastal, and it has been nothing shy of remarkable, especially since the 0-2 conference start. But how about the job Mike Fury is doing at Limestone? Hmm. I mean, he's, he's just winning ball games left and right. He's got that program definitely headed in the right direction for sure. He is an excellent coach. I mean, there's no other way to put it. He's an excellent coach. His first go-around at Limestone – he left. They were winners. Then he goes off mm-hmm. to the NFL, I think, for four years. He comes back, and immediately they're winners once again. So the the, the guy's just an excellent coach. And, you know, they have built a, a, a small on-campus stadium, which is nice. They're putting a little money in the program. But this guy's a heck of a coach, and I wonder if he has aspirations to try and uh, and move up, you know, to the next level. But right now he's trying to – continue to win and I tell you this guy is driven for my times uh, being down there to interview him in the preseason he you know being a former NFL wide receiver who was a I believe an undrafted free agent um, he, he takes uh, his preparation his physical preparation as seriously as his players do I mean he's still physically fit like an <laughs> NFL guy so um, he's done an impressive job no question about it yeah, all right back has. to the phones Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five host free. We go to Ken in Columbia. Ken, the floor is yours. Take it away. Two minutes. Thank you, sir. And he might as well add the Gamecocks to the bowl picture because they're going to win out because they're going to beat Kentucky. There's no way at home at night with Beamer Ball. 
the star power will be in the house on that night. Can't say that now, but mm. let's just say it's political season, so it's going to be some star power there. Mm. They will win out, and they will go to a bowl game. The other thing I want to talk about is do you think it's possible that there may not be an SEC team in the playoffs? Because let's say that Georgia loses to Alabama. You've got a one-loss Bama, a one-loss Georgia, but you have Michigan and Ohio State coming undefeated. You're going to have one of those guys are going to lose. They're going to say, well, the Big Ten played a better schedule. So do you take the one loss, either Ohio State or Michigan, along with the loser? Now those two spots are taken. A one loss Texas team, they get in, winning their championship, and say Washington gets in there, do you leave an SEC team out? Mm. That's that's a heck of a uh, no. of, of an idea. Um <laughs> Well, I tell you, if, um, if if Alabama – Georgia, Georgia's schedule has been kind of weak, and Alabama been a little shaky. I don't know that you can leave – you know, I would say the Georgia schedule is the one you would question the most. Um, mm-hmm. The Alabama schedule, I think, a little bit stronger. And if – you know, and what did Alabama have? A close loss at Texas, right? Um, at home against Texas. At home. At home. Yep. But it was close. They lost like by a, 10, I think. Okay. Um I would I would still say that they're going to be hard pressed if Georgia is undefeated in the SEC championship game and they were to lose to Alabama, especially in a close one, they'd be hard pressed to leave Georgia out. Two time defending national champion. I think you know it's a very subjective thing. I think that plays in the minds of the committee, the fact that it's the history, tradition, and defending national champs. The the SEC still has the reputation of being the toughest league in in America, and they don't. I don't really think they hold their schedule against them because they play in the SEC. And for some reason, everybody outside the SEC believes that every week in the SEC, you know, it's it's warfare. Well, inside the SEC, they believe that as well. But you have enough people outside who believe it too. I don't think they would hold that against Georgia if they were to lose to Alabama. If Alabama's a doesn't lose another game, and Georgia's undefeated in the SEC championship game, I think they would still both get in. I think they would still both get in. You might be right, Ohio State will have an argument. Well, you're going to have an argument no matter what. Because there's going to be – they'll be – they'll be a worthy team or two not going to make the playoffs simply because there's only four spots. And you probably got six or seven teams that could make a worthy argument, don't we? Throw another wrinkle in there. What happens if Oregon, whose only loss this season was against Washington, what if they beat Washington in the Pac-12 championship game? Exactly. The problem is there, if you're asking me, the perception of the Pac-12, 10, 4, 2, whatever it is, that perception doesn't equate to the SEC perception. Sure. Like it or not, the the great line, perception is reality, and they sit around that room and they go, well, you know, it is the SEC, and they did have one loss, and da-da-da-da-da. Um, that's what I just think human behavior and subjectivity will come into play. Michigan, Ohio State, I mean, I don't think anybody wants to see really, but it may happen. You may see Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State as your four teams with one team having a loss because of what happened when they met head-to-head. Ohio State and Michigan are going to meet head-to-head. One of them's going to the Big Ten championship game. Win that, okay, you're in. That loser of the Michigan-Ohio State game, you're going to leave them out? 
Yes, so, because they didn't even win their division. Yep. Much less play for a conference that's, championship. That's, I think the loser of that game is out. You do think they're out? Yes, After I think being they're ranked out. One I think or it's two Ohio State. Year. Yeah, and I think it's Ohio State. I think they're overrated. I think Michigan's the best team in the Big Ten. And I'm telling you right now, Georgia's not losing because I, I've totally convinced myself, even though I talked myself out of it last week, every time Georgia has been challenged this year, mm-hmm. look at all the games. Now, their schedule has not been all that strong, but teams that were supposed to be able to contend with them, Florida, Tennessee, this past weekend against you know Missouri played them okay two weeks ago. This past weekend, you got Mississippi coming into town. They just obliterate teams. I mean, the only, the only team that Georgia football has had a problem with is the Georgia State Police. Other than that, I mean, on the field, they've been terrific this season when they've had but to. Guys, I, I just want to – I think we're missing one element here, and that is this is really going to press uh, – you know, the, the every year the committee changes what they want to emphasize. But we have been told over and over, and this goes back to TCU Baylor, head-to-head matters. If Texas – does not lose again, and Alabama wins the SEC championship, and you put Alabama in over Texas, you have just broken one of your Cardinal That's a rules. Great point. Mm-hmm. I want That's to credit the issue. I want to it, I want to credit Chris there for stealing a Smitty line. That was a Smitty line you just used about the Georgia police. <laughs> well, I'll give Smitty some credit. He didn't tell me that, but I've been thinking about that because I mean nobody else has even challenged them thus far this season. I mean, they, Georgia has been, when they needed to be great, they have been elite. They have looked like the best team in the country when they've been challenged. Yeah. Go ahead, Smitty. Anything else? No, I just I, I, I just simply wanted to bring that up. And, Corn, I think you're right. Everything you said was right, and that's what they will want to do in that room when they're pressed. But I'm just pointing out, you know, the, the committee seems to change the rules every season, and they have a new darling. And I would just be – if their darling isn't Texas, I just think that would be, you know, usually we see a team left out, but I don't know that we've ever seen a team left out that has the fan base of an Alabama, a Georgia, Ohio State, a Michigan, or a Texas. It's usually a TCU or a Baylor or an Oregon or a Washington that's left out. It's rarely one of these blue bloods. And if we get all blue bloods jammed in there, uh, I think it's going to make for a very interesting December. Well, let's just say this as well. We've got a break. Alabama's not the same team that lost to Texas. Okay, Milrow, they have found their quarterback, and they have found the right way to use him. And their offense is totally different now than it was in September. So they're a different team. And I'm not going to be shocked if they beat Georgia. I hear what you're saying. Georgia has been rising to the occasion, and they beat Ole Miss like a redheaded stepchild. Sorry about that, Pat. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at seccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. 
Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. Hi, this is Lisa Hosteller-Brown. Do you know the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? The difference could easily save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in long-term care costs. Visit LawyerLisa.com to schedule a consultation today. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Daddy, you need a trust. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Football season is upon us, and that means Columbia is welcoming fans from around the corner and across the country. No matter where you're from, Gamecocks love coming together for game day energy that can only be found in South Carolina's capital city. Book hotel rooms, find pre- and post-game activities, and plan your tailgate spread with local favorites from pimento cheese to barbecue at experiencecolumbiasc.com. We'll see you soon, and go Gamecocks! Your home is where your memories live. It's where you laugh and where you love. We understand the importance of the valuables under your roof, tangible and intangible alike. So no matter what's around the corner, we'll be there, offering you and your family the support that's made Farm Bureau Insurance a trusted name for nearly 70 years. You deserve more. You deserve a promise. Learn more at scfbins.com. Call me, Alex Satterfield, at 803 803- 749-9171 for all of your Midlands insurance needs. Go, 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 Charlie. It's your birthday. We're going to party like it's your birthday. We're going to sip a party like it's your birthday. Me in the club, bottle full of bubble money. I got that. Hey, we forgot all about Florida State, didn't we? <laughs> How about that? Yes. Not used to talking about them this uh, this time of the year, but you gotta you gotta think about Florida State. Where do they factor into this thing? I mean, they are they are in the top four of the rankings. They're number four. Um, they went out. You know, they got Florida the last weekend. Who do they have this weekend? Anybody know off the top of their heads? I can look it up. They went out. They're undefeated. Is it Chattanooga? They got a North Alabama, then Florida. Yeah. North Alabama. So there they, you go. they got you know. They yeah, got a looks dynamic like offense. They got a dynamic offense. A great quarterback. Um, I don't know if they're undefeated. They run the table and they win the ACC championship. Um, they're in. I think they're in. Okay, so who's out? <laughs> well, I, I still think you get you, the argument is going to be between the Big Twelve and perhaps. I, I still think if Alabama wins the SEC championship, it's going to be really hard to keep Georgia out of there. I really do. So you're probably talking about three leagues playing for one spot. And to add to what you're saying, Chris, to make it even harder for the uh, committee to leave Georgia out, I know they're not supposed to let past years factor in, 
But don't you think a lot of fans out there would want to see a one-loss Georgia team have a chance to defend their two-time defending title championship? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, it has to come into play in their thinking when you're sitting around that table, the fact that Georgia's – and they're having another great year. It's not like they're a, you know, a two-loss team and there'd be no sentiment then, but I'm saying a one-loss Georgia team losing – in the SEC championship in a tight game at the very end, if that were to be the case, um, you'd have to give them strong consideration still. Because, I mean, yeah, they haven't played the toughest of schedules, but the teams that they thought might give them trouble, they've kicked them all. Auburn, LSU, um, 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 Tennessee, uh, this most recent one, Ole Miss, uh, when they played Kentucky. All these teams were expected to give Georgia – uh, a, a battle, and all of them got smoked by Georgia. And so they have risen to the occasion regards, every time. And keep in mind, with regards to their schedule, their own league hurt them because they were supposed to play Oklahoma in non-conference this year, and the SEC told them to change that game because Oklahoma was transitioning into the league. Mm. We would not have this discussion with Georgia if Oklahoma were on the schedule and they would have beaten them earlier in the season. Yeah, good point. Good and to point. add to your point earlier, Phil, about the Pac-12, there's currently five teams at 9-0, and but Washington is the last ranked of those. They're currently at five. So you got to think right now the committee is looking at the Pac-12 as a step behind the Big Ten, the, the ACC, and the SEC. Okay, head and, the- and can we point out? Go ahead. I, I was just going to say quickly, quickly. I, I I always say this. I don't think there's enough of a benefit to scheduling tough. So Georgia got a break. Alabama didn't. They played Texas. How about what if you're Texas and you're standing there? You're saying, look, we played Alabama, went to their place, beat them, and just because we lost one conference game, you guys want to keep us out in favor of somebody else who played a softer schedule? Hardly seems fair. Yeah. It's never fair, though. That's the thing. I mean, throw fairness out of it. Um, Texas would be a, a heck of a draw. Would it be a bigger draw than a one-loss Georgia team but a two-time defending national champion, as I think it was Pat who said, defending their national championship? Be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Kornblut, Chris Bergen, Matt Smith. Pat Daniel, 888-898-2525. Back to your calls in a moment. South Carolina out to a 5-0 lead on Vimy in the first uh, two minutes and ten seconds of that game over at the CLA. The Gamecocks are playing without a couple of players. Uh, Zach Davis is out. Uh, Ibrima Deba also out. Deba still coming off of the torn Achilles, and apparently Davis is under the weather tonight. A few other notes to pass along. Furman defensive end Luke Clark is the SOCON Defensive Player of the Week, and Furman remains number two in the FCA rankings this week. Fort Dorchester High School, uh, their head football coaching job is open after one season. Don't know if it was uh, resignation or firing or what, but they're changing head football coaches. James Madison at Coastal will have a 330 kick on ESPN2 week from Saturday. 
Clemson's men's soccer, number nine seed for the NCAA tournament, first round bye. They will host either Charlotte or High Point November 19th. Clemson corner, Shelton Lewis, the ACC Rookie of the Week. USC women move up to number one in the AP women's basketball poll. Maxwell Football Club announced today Clemson linebacker Jeremiah Trotter Jr. has been named as one of the 20 semifinalists for the Chuck Bednarik Award. And let's see, what else did we have here? Did that, um, uh, the new odds to win the college football playoff championship uh, from Bet Online, Michigan 13 to 5, Georgia 3 to 1, Alabama 5 to 1. Ohio State eight to one, Oregon eight to one, and Florida State nineteen to two. Your Heisman odds: Bo Nix is ten to eleven, Michael Penix is four to one, and Jaden Daniels, who now a lot of voters are coming out saying he's the guy, he is seventeen to four uh, in those odds. St. John's confirmed that they've parted ways with their head football coach Mike Howard. Kevin Billadu down in Charleston reporting that. And uh, what else we want to mention here? Um, Oh, um, our poll question of the week, because we're starting up on the uh, South Carolina Clemson game here a little early, and why not? So who is your favorite as of right now? Who do you pick to win South Carolina Clemson game? Week from Saturday, this is straight up, no points involved, just straight up. Who's going to win? 292 votes are in through uh, this evening. 53% are picking the Gamecocks, and 47% have picked the Tigers thus far. Uh, so we'll see how uh, people feel about things next week after watching games this weekend. Uh, bowl projections from Jerry Palm. He's got Clemson versus Oregon State in the Holiday Bowl in San Diego. He's got the Gamecocks against Georgia State in the Birmingham Bowl. Yuck. And he's got Coastal. No, I mean, that is that really that, yuck. Uh, that is just. And that means that yeah. he believes that they'll beat Clemson, too. I guess he does. And Coastal against Unless San Unless they're going as a 5-7 team. Yeah, exactly. And Coastal against San But you can't project a 5-7. and seven. I mean, you can't project. Right. I don't think you can right now. And Coastal versus San Jose State in the Boca Raton Bowl. So. Ooh. Yes. Good Mike Morgan's that. neighborhood, Boca Raton. Boca, just so you go to Boca. So, all right, so, there you go. So, speaking of Coastal, I think this would be a funny matchup, and this would assume also that Coastal would win the Sun Belt, which would guarantee them a spot in the New Orleans Bowl. Brett McMurphy has them playing Liberty in the New Orleans Bowl, a rematch with their former head coach, Jamie Chadwell, in the Liberty Flames. So, he thinks they're going to beat JMU next week and then win the Sun Bowl mm-hmm. championship? Wow. Yep. Speaking of Jamie Chadwell, you know, there are some people who say he is the, not a, the leading candidate at Mississippi State. Well, Smitty and I were talking about him earlier today, and he's going to get a shot, especially if he continues to win as big as he has at Liberty, because I think his offense works anywhere. And you plug and play, you know, power five level talent, it's going to work there just the same way it worked at the FCS level, at the D2 level, only at the uh, group of five level right now. Wonder why they just wouldn't go back to Dan Mullen unless that ship has sailed, unless there's some people bitter over him leaving Mississippi mm-hmm. State when he did. I don't know. But Dan Mullen proved you can win and win big at Mississippi State if you have the right quarterback and the right personnel around him. So just thinking, 
Dan Mullen's not that far removed from the game either. It's not like he's four or five years out of it. He's just a couple years out of it. So, okay, uh, phone number, 888-898-2525. Zach Willis coming up at the bottom of the hour. Right now we go back to your phone calls. And Bruce in Missouri. Welcome in, Bruce. You got a couple of minutes here. The floor is yours. Thank you, Phil, for taking my call tonight. Uh, how about them Eddieville Panthers? How about them? They're on the run. They're not going to stop until the top of the heat. Yeah. They can't go no further. Not going to anyway, be surprised. I think um, Clemson is way, way underrated because they have beat everybody in statistics. I know y'all say it's a loser's win, but they have beat everybody they played on the on the paper. Uh, in every aspect, and uh, except for the number on the board. And I think they should be ranked up there uh, either 10 or 9, somewhere around there, and uh, give them a chance. So you think Clemson should be ranked among the top 10 in the country? Yes, at least. But then, I mean, <laughs> they've they've got – four losses at six and four that, and a losing that, record right it, now in the ACC that on, is Bruce. on the scoreboard that's not the actual uh truth well I mean there's only really in competition the scoreboard is the truth <laughs> well, I'm talking about the figures I mean the, I know there's the, subjective opinion and you can look at them and say this that and the other but the well, scoreboard okay. is the okay. ultimate truth I'm a football player mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. and and if we beat somebody in all the statistics except for the score, we won the game. We played that hard to win the game. Oof. The score just tells you that <laughs> they scored more points. Than <laughs> Bruce, that's all. You don't really believe this. You don't really believe what you're saying. I'm saying, being a football player, that's how you look at the game. I've never heard a football player who lost a game <laughs> cite the fact that they rushed for 200 yards it's more than the opponent you, it, and they should deserve the W, even though the scoreboard said they lost by three touchdowns. As hard as you played and you, you won the statistics, all the, the figures on, are going against the, 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 both teams. You outplayed them, but you didn't outscore them. That's the only point I'm getting at. Mm. Okay. All right. Thank you. It's your two minutes. <laughs> okay. All right. I, well, I mean, if if that's the case, why do we have why do we keep score? Why do we have scoreboards? Right. I mean, why do we have these well, big, I, you I, know, ten million dollars scoreboards? I do think to soften <laughs> to soften it a little bit. I think we do understand somewhat what Bruce means. He, he's talking about. Uh, strange situations, a kicker might miss a kick, and some funky things can happen. You have a goal line fumble like Will Shipley, and you feel like Clemson is better than their record. I think, mm. I think we all can understand and agree with that. But, Bruce, you got to be careful because your favorite team, you might have to go back through history on a, on a team that won 13 or 11 or 9 games and give a couple back by your way of thinking, too. Yeah. So just be careful. Over time, if you want to go both ways. Yeah, over time, I mean, you've won some games you probably shouldn't have won because the other team, you know, fumbled or threw a pick, and and you've lost some games. It it kind of evens out over time. But all right, thank you for that. Appreciate it. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five is our phone number. I want to mention a couple of other quick things. Uh, this little breakdown on the Jimbo Fisher deal, Stuart Mandel uh, reported that the AD said that the initial 
$19.4 million will come from an A&M donor fund. Then the athletics budget will take a hit at $7.3 million per year for eight years. You know, about the only other contract I can think of that um, that would be related to that, who was the, the player for the Mets? Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla. That's right. Are they still paying him, <laughs> by the way? Every, yeah. It's what, every July 1st, Smitty, isn't that Bobby Bonilla Day? <laughs> yeah, and so now A&M can celebrate Jimbo Fisher Day. Jimbo Fisher can come by and pick up his check and say hello to everybody. You know what's sad, though? Our Visit mindset in our country. Oil magnet boosters. What's sad in our <laughs> country possible. is there are people who believe, who feel bad for Zach Arnett because his buyout's only $4 million. I mean, it's because he's fired the same weekend as Jimbo Fisher, and Jimbo's buyout was what it is, $70-something million. So it makes $4 million look paltry unless you're Mississippi State and you're having to pay it. Um, which, of course, Jimbo Fisher makes – Will Muschamp's buyout look look paltry. Mm-hmm. That was uh, ended up being about what fourteen, fifteen million when it was all worked out, something like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, people, we sit here and we we say, how can these administrators, these presidents, the ADs, get themselves in such a corner with these contracts? Yet Texas A and M will do it all over again with the next guy. Um, and the next big school that goes looking for a coach will do the same thing. Uh, it's the it's the inability uh, to restrain yourself. It's like the old Major League Baseball uh, early days of free agency when George Steinbrenner drove everything, and he just couldn't resist throwing millions of dollars at any ball player that he thought could help his team win. Did not care how much it would spend. Didn't realize that money doesn't buy championships. Um, and if you ask me, if I'm Texas A&M and I'm looking across the landscape of coaches who've done a phenomenal job, especially taking nothing and making it into something, the guy at Kansas, Leopold, he'd be one of my first phone calls. Mm-hmm. I mean, you win at Kansas the way he has and make them relevant in a, what, two or three-year span? Shoot. I'd have to t- – now, maybe he's not sexy enough for, for Texas A&M, um, doesn't have a big enough name. But you, sometimes you just got to look at what uh, a guy is doing uh, in a in a off-the-radar situation and doing some amazing things. And this guy's done some amazing things, I would say. Elko at Duke, you know. Of course, he was an, a, a D.C. at Texas A&M at one time. So he has, a, he has connections there. Um, you wonder if that might be a possibility. So – a little bit more information on this. That's a good uh, point, Phil. Yeah, on this Texas A and M situation, a little more context too. And the the current record in our country for the buyout of a college football coach was Auburn's twenty one point seven million dollar buyout of Gus Malzahn back in twenty twenty. Well, Texas A and M athletic director Ross Bjork came out and said that no public dollars will go towards Fisher's seventy seven and a half million dollar buyout. He said, "Quote." We will use unrestricted contributions within the 12th Man Foundation for the first one-time payments, and the athletic department will fund the annual payments for the remaining portion by growing our revenues and adjusting our annual operating budget accordingly. We'll keep that name in mind. Remember the name 12th Man Foundation. Where I'm going with this is halftime of that football game on Saturday against Mississippi State, there's now been reports that have come out that A&M was already planning to fire 
their head coach, Jimbo Fisher, regardless of the outcome. I mean, let's face it, it was a blowout. You wouldn't think a coach after a 40-point victory would get fired. Halftime of that game, there was a giant check distributed from that 12th Man Foundation to Athletic Director Bjork for $160,470,000. Oh, my gosh. So at halftime of the game where they've already acknowledged their plan to fire the guy, they then fire the guy after the game or the next day, they cite, their athletic director cites this foundation as helping cover the costs, and that foundation presents a check to the AD for $160 million at halftime. Well, that, le- that then leads me back. Remember a couple years ago when LSU decided to part ways with Ed Orgeron? And in his kind of exit press conference, Orgeron was asked about that conversation with the AD. I- I'd just like to play a little, little quick audio here. I'm wondering if Jimbo Fisher is not thinking the same thing. I got to tell you, we had a meeting. Hey, coach, things are not going well. No shit. Ray Charles can see that, brother. So <laughs> yeah, what's so, next? Well, well I got to tell, tell you this, though. Say, so, coach, you got $17.1 million on your contract. We're going to give it to you. <laughs> I said, what time do you want me to leave? What door you want me out of, brother? <laughs> Can't help but wonder if Jimbo Fisher didn't have a similar response to A.D. Bjork when he was announced that he was firing, but getting a parting gift of $77.5 million. Wow. And here's the other thing. Jimbo won't be unemployed for long. First of all, he gets all the money even if he gets another job, okay? So who wouldn't hire Jimbo Fisher? I mean, the record, he might not have won enough at Texas A&M, and everybody might be saying, well, he only won a national championship because he had – Winston at quarterback. Well, they had more than that. That was a hell of a team that won the national championship at Florida State. That being said, the guy can coach. Um, you just have to put him in the right situation. Uh, I mean, Texas A&M looked like a marriage made in heaven between the two sides. Everybody at that time wanted Jimbo Fisher, blah, blah, blah. And it just didn't, didn't pan out to their satisfaction. So if Arkansas makes a move on Sam Pittman, let's say, or maybe even Mississippi State. Would Mississippi State say, okay, you know what, Jim, Jimbo, we might have a little bit better situation for you. Um, I mean, I'm just speaking out loud. I think that Jimbo Fisher, if he wants to coach again, will find a spot somewhere in a big-time program in the country. I think Kevin Sumlin sitting back somewhere in Maryland and smiling. Because he actually, if, if I'm not mistaken, is going to uh, have a better record at Texas A&M than Jimbo had. Kevin Sumlin was a good coach. Kevin? Mm-hmm. I mean, he had it, you know. They have no patience yeah. out there. Yeah. Okay, uh, continue with your phone calls. 888 It's 11-9, South Carolina leading VMI, 12-13 to play in the opening half. And uh, the Gamecocks don't have anybody really standing out scoring-wise. Mack leads them. With three, they're only shooting thirty-one percent, and the, the key debts are shooting thirty-six percent. We go to um, Speedy in Columbia. Oh, Speedy! It's it's been a minute or two. I don't know if you've lost a little bit off your uh, off your overall speed, but uh, we shall see. Welcome in. How are you? How you doing? Where you been? Oh man, just out here, just working. I'm a family man, so. Hmm. When you got businesses, you constantly working. I understand. You know? I understand. It, it ain't it getting fat. That's what I'm doing. Yes. <laughs> I understand. What's on your mind? Let it rip. 
Well, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm reading headlines, you know, all these coaches getting fired, and they're taking a nice big paycheck, and they could go and drink margaritas and hang out with, uh, with uh, not the margarita man, God bless his soul, he ain't here no more, but, you know, James Taylor. They could just say, I'll just relax. Um, I, look at, I look at Shane Beamer, I think he's a young coach with a lot of passion. I think that he needs to take a really good look at his staff and see what he could try to find someone that can be able to coach better on defense and definitely coach better on offense. We haven't had a good offensive line, I don't think, since Steve Spurrier. I think Steve Spurrier's offensive line wasn't that good either. But we don't have established running game. Everybody is going to run a ball down our throat. Our defense can't even stop a Hugo. Mm -hmm. It's just that bad. And if you take a look at it, if you can't stop the run and you cannot run the football in the SEC, then you, you be, we belong in the, uh, the, the Atlantic uh, Cupcake Conference, and that's the ACC. <laughs> you need to put us right in there uh, because we can't stop nobody. And, and I would say this, Kentucky is going to run the ball down our throat, and they got a darn good quarterback. He's mobile. He has that pro-style uh, uh, pocket presence, the way he throw the football down the field. If our defense don't jump on him the first half, we could be in really big trouble. And, and that's the problem. With, I want Shane Beaver to be the coach of the future, and I, and I think it's going to take us time because we went out, we, we went out, we spend money on Will Muschamp, and you see what we got, what kind of investment we got returned on that. So he set our program back another five or six more years. So we got to give this coach that I've been trying to lobby this for a long time after Steve Spurrier left, but we got an athletic director who's very passionate about the university, won two national championships in baseball. But when you're in the administration office, you got to dial up something not sexy, not cheap like Walmart. You got to be able to put your hats all in. Carolyn needs to spend some money. That's what they need to do. And they need to take advantage of the NIL deal. And I want to get you guys' opinion on that. Hmm. And it's nice talking to you. Speedy, good hearing from you. You know, South Carolina is in NIL. They've, they have not been bashful about doing NIL deals. And they were one of the forerunners of in-house NIL operations and, and bringing in outside people to work NIL and promoting NIL. I, I think they've done a heck of a lot for uh, with NIL, and they're spending money on their players. You know, we've told you that Spencer Rattler makes $1.2, and Juice Wells had an $800,000 deal. And uh, Now, I don't know if that's pure cash or if that includes um, – like I had somebody telling me the other day that they were over at the Mercedes-Benz dealership in Columbia for some reason. I don't think they were buying a Benz. I'm not exactly sure if they were having a car serviced. Or... Anyway, one of the sales guys who was a buddy of his was showing him around and took him into this area where they had the really high-priced Mercedes. And he said, see that one over there? And he goes, yeah. He goes, that one's for Spencer Rattler. 
So, <laughs> I mean, it might be just part, when you figure in the total money amount, that might be part mm-hmm. of it, you know, the lease that he has. I'm sure those cars are leased. They have to, you got to have some sort of paperwork when you take a car out of the dealership, you know, either you're buying it or you're leasing it. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's a lease deal. But, you know, South Carolina has not been shy. They were one of the first big ones to really just say, to welcome NIL and the transfer portal, and they make no bones about it. They're involved with both. Now, you know, money well spent is money well spent. You go. You mentioned um, South Carolina's defensive situation, and, yeah, there's going to be a lot of questions. I, you know, I see it on the message boards. I see it on the Internet from people saying they need to fire Clayton White and uh, – um, and and go in a different direction with the defense. And, I mean, I don't know. Um, personally, listening to Clayton White uh, sounds like a, a smart coach, a good guy. I think the players like playing for him and his coaches like coaching under him. Does he have a good, solid plan, or is it just about getting better players? You know, I watched Jordan Birch the other night, Oregon and uh, Southern Cal playing. I love those late-night Pac-12, 10, 4, 2 games. And I saw Jordan Birch tackling uh, Marshawn Lloyd. I said, wow, we we used to know those two guys, you know. <laughs> one was in green and one was in um, what color they have out there, Southern Cal. That's kind of a yellow. and That'd be maroon and gold. Maroon and gold, I'm sorry. <laughs> maroon and gold. But anyway, um, you know, they're, they're playing against each other. Mm-hmm. So, but put Birch back on the South Carolina team, you know. Does he, does he help and have a big year? Put uh, – Put uh, Edwin back there. He's probably starting at defensive end. Those are probably your two starting defensive ends. One's at Florida State and one's at uh, at Oregon now. Um, the linebackers have been okay. Debo Williams is like the third leading tackler in the SEC. He's closing in on 100 tackles. I think he's around 94, 95. That's like number three in the SEC. Um, but, you know, they're thin there. They're not very fast at linebacker. And they're secondary has not been as good this year compared to last year. You lose two NFL corners. Your safeties haven't been as good. Um, So I don't know. Is it on him? Is it the personnel? Have they got better, more players coming in that will improve the defense for next year? Personally, I don't think you make a change. And I don't think Shane Beamer will make a change. You know, he never fired Satterfield. Now, the departure to Nebraska, did that work? As he might have wanted it, who knows? But he never fired him. So I don't think he's going to fire Clayton White either. I think one of the strengths of Beamer is loyalty. Loyal to him, and he's loyal back to you. And I just think he believes they can fix it. They can fix whatever problem they have on defense. I think you're probably right. The one thing, and and by the way, I looked it up, it's Cardinal and Gold. I'm sorry, not Maroon. Evidently, Mm. there's a difference uh, at Southern Cal. But the one thing that's probably going to heat up the message boards is the fact that Zach Arnett is known for defense, and now he's available. True. But there's going to be a lot of coaches available. Jimbo Fisher's (laughs) available. Sure. You want an offensive coordinator? Here's the other thing, though. Dowell Loggins, does he – Get a call from Sam Pittman at Arkansas trying to bring him back to his mm-hmm. alma mater. Be back after the break. Zach Willis coming up. All right, Gamecocks 11 nothing run over the last 208. They've opened up a 22-14 lead on VMI. 
And Michi Johnson's leading the Gamecocks with seven. They've warmed up to 32%, holding VMI to 26%. Zach Willis in just a moment here on Sports Talk. Well, the weather has turned just a little bit. So, you know what? It just makes you want to think about next spring and summer. And that makes me want to think about getting to the beach. And when I think about getting to the beach, I think about Jimmy Smith at James Smith Real Estate and PauliesVacationRentals.com. And that phone number, 843-237-4246. Just give Jimmy a call. You'll talk to him or a member of his staff. Tell him what you're looking for, when you need it, and they'll take it from there. They'll find exactly what you need, the perfect fit for you and your family, down at one of the beautiful beaches there at Merle's Inlet and Pauley's Island and Litchfield and up near Georgetown, over near Garden City, down near Surfside, you name it, they can find it for you. If you want to buy property as well, that's your answer too. Jimmy Smith, James Smith Real Estate, 843-237-4246, Pauley's vacationrentals.com. All right, two big wins over the weekend, solid wins, uh, dominating wins for USC and Clemson to the naked eye. Not a whole lot to complain about, but that's why we bring in Coach Zach Willis. First and ten with Zach Willis on a Monday night because he looks at things with not a naked eye. He looks at things more critically. He might have some things to discuss. Welcome in, Coach. How are you? Doing good, Phil. How are you doing? We're doing great. We're doing great. Tough time of year now. I guess it gets earlier and earlier. Tough time of year for coaches in that, I mean, yeah, most of them are fine, going to make a ton of money. Even those that get fired are going to make a ton of money. But you got head coaches being fired, and then you got head coaches trying to save their jobs by firing coordinators to take the heat off of them, at least for another season. <laughs> so it's it's kind of a tough time in that profession. You know, the world has changed a lot since I got into coaching. It used to be viewed as a fraternity. And as the money grew and the notoriety grew, it's kind of like Hollywood now. You got some really great people and you got some people with no no character at all. And um, if you're a parent out there and you have a son getting recruited, you better pay really close attention to what they tell you and do your research before you send your son off or daughter, depending on what sport it is. Uh, to play college ball. It's a real snake pit now, Phil, to be honest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, let's go to the games and uh, South Carolina Vanderbilt. Uh, Gamecocks kind of beat Vanderbilt the way a team should beat Vanderbilt these days. And South Carolina took care of their business and uh, plenty yep. of offense and uh, defense didn't have uh, too many problems. And what did you think? And uh, what what about these two weeks? Do you think these two wins – uh, they have helped the Gamecocks to fix some things heading into the two biggest games of the season for them. I think it definitely has. You know, Phil, they, I, don't, I don't think that you would tell me better if they came out of it, you know, healthy. That would be the only really negative thing that somebody got hurt, especially, you know, somebody really that was really critical to them. But um, Shane Beamer has shown, at least to me, the ability to rally this team time after time after time, get them to play hard. They rarely lose games. The Florida game might be the exception this year, a game they should have won that 
got away from them. Um, but Florida's not a horrible football team either. Vanderbilt's probably the least talented SEC. I told you this SEC talent-wise, I've ever seen an SEC team be. They have some definite limitations. But South Carolina did exactly what they should have done. They went out and had a big day on both sides of the ball and did a fantastic and scored on special teams. I mean, of course, that's nothing new. But you know, they they're a team that does what they need to do. And this Kentucky game, to me, is very two very evenly matched teams going at it in Columbia. Yeah, uh, you're right there in Kentucky. Uh, disappointing season for them. I mean, they their bar had gone up over the last year, and uh, they'd had some nice wins, but but not this year. Uh, they got beat by Georgia. They um, they got hammered by Alabama. I guess really no shame there. Um, anyway, it, it hasn't been the kind of year that they were they were expecting. Uh, the quarterback Leary, the transfer from NC State. I don't know uh, if if he is kind of a step down for them at quarterback compared to what they've had recently. Ray Davis certainly gives them a nice threat there at running back, but of course Alabama snuffed out their running game Saturday. Well, you know. It- the, the the mismatch up front, Alabama, Georgia are two just elite level teams. Um, that you know when you watch them play up front, it's like watching a clinic tape. You know, a highlight reel on almost every play, and it'll be great to watch them most likely play each other in the SEC championship game. That'll be one heck of a game. Um, but you know, Kentucky, Devin Leary's not, and this is a, a nuanced thing, but he has did not learn the system. The system takes longer to learn at Kentucky than it does other places. And he, he, he look what Levis has done in the pros. I mean, he was beat up and banged up last year uh, and still had a great year um, by Kentucky standards for sure. But he's a, a first-round draft pick, and he showed in the NFL that he's legit. And they miss him. Leary should have stayed in Raleigh. You know, he had it made there. He'd been All-American there. But people don't understand. You have to learn the concept of the plays, the plays themselves, and then you got to go out there under live fire, taking an ACC quarterback and putting him in an SEC league. And you got to adjust because there's a difference in uh, speed, you know, of a Wake Forest versus somebody like Georgia or, or LSU, and, and even South Carolina. You know, there's a speed differential, and it's not a huge one until you get to the elite teams. But Kentucky's got a tough schedule. I think they'll get things righted, but. It ought to be a really good game in Columbia. I'm hoping, obviously, Carolina's ready. And I believe Shane Beamer will have them ready. It seems to me like they're pretty consistent on coming out. And you may whip them more talented than they are, but I don't see them giving up. And that's that's a real big deal, especially this time of year. I don't think Kentucky – Kentucky and South Carolina are kind of mirror images except the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spencer Rattler has learned the system. They've opened it up, and they're letting him go now. And if, if the receivers, honestly, I didn't know this stat, but they were talking about on the broadcast, and the losses South Carolina's had, they've had 21 drop passes. Mm. And, and they had had none in their wins until the other day, and they dropped three or four, and that was raining. To be fair to everybody uh, in, 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 that, in that regard, and one or two they called drops, I would say were maybe not really thrown that well. But that's an interesting stat for the folks who like that kind of stuff. Uh, but it ought to be an interesting game. And I think, again, Kentucky's got some strong players, but they're definitely beatable in South Carolina. This is a must-win as they all are from here on out. Let's go to Clemson and handle Georgia Tech. Again, Georgia Tech came in thinking they could make some noise, but that Clemson defense got after them 
and really took it to Georgia Tech. The quarterback, King, he had no chance. He had no chance back no. there, um, except for busting a couple of runs up the middle, surprisingly. They got some good blocking. They, they busted a couple of runs. Maybe Clemson missed some fits or some linebackers were out of, out of place. I don't know exactly what the deal was. Otherwise, it, it was nothing for Georgia Tech. I mean, they had 100 yards of offense going into the fourth quarter. Is Clemson rounding into shape here as we go down to the last two games? No, oh, I don't think there's any doubt, Phil. You know, we, we talked about it. I think both teams look to be. Now, we'll know a whole lot more. Clemson's got North Carolina at home. North Carolina, I watched that ball game. Duke and Carolina are rivals in basketball, but they play some good football against each other. And I watched that one, and you know, they've got Drake May. We'll see exactly how good Clemson is against a great quarterback when they play this coming week. But from everything we saw, four interceptions, you know, they scored about every way you could score on offense. Um, I'm, I mean, it's best they've looked. Them beat Notre Dame and following up with this. Usually after they have a big win, when they were rolling, they maybe squeaked by Georgia Tech next week, you know, 10 or 12 point or sometimes less victory at home. But they came out rolling from the start and just blew them off the field. And like you said, I mean, they made Georgia Tech look like a one- or two-win team. You wouldn't believe they had a winning record coming in based on how bad Clemson, especially their defense. I mean, they just absolutely dominated. I, you couldn't have said it better. They, were, they weren't flawless, but they were close to it. They did have some run fits where they missed some gaps. But Georgia Tech had a good football team. It didn't show. But they've had some big wins this year, and I think they're going to be tough in the future. But, man, when the Tigers are, are rolling – they're hard to beat. If you go back and look at their losses, I mean, they were taking what the fourth ranked team in the country in the double overtime. This this team is just having to learn how to win, and I think they're learning. I think, as you put it, they're feeling it now. And mm-hmm. when they start feeling things, they're very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Now, Zach Willis joining us here on First and Ten, still living on his buyout up in Kentucky. Coach, uh, <laughs> want to talk about offensive? <laughs> Offensive line play, something you know quite a bit about. Uh, so South Carolina, they they finally got the same five offensive linemen to start in consecutive weeks, and I thought that line play looked a lot better. So you know better than most. If Trey Jones, one of their five best linemen, comes back, do you hesitate to put him in and just kind of keep the guys you've got for continuity sake? So what's more important, the best five guys or the continuity of keeping the five you've got playing well together? Yeah, I'm going to be honest, it's continuity. Well, and that's a great, great question. Um, we had times uh, in my coaching years where the senior offensive linemen would come in to me, guys that were All-Americans, and say, Coach, we need to play this guy that's maybe second or third team at guard because he knows what he's doing. The freshman or sophomore we got in there doesn't know all the plays, and he's not he's not sure of himself. And it's an adjustments most people now on the SEC level, the big-time level, we adjust, we see everything. You don't always see that at some schools. But, again, fan base is so astute. The media is so good in South Carolina football-wise, the SEC, period, is so, so analyzed. That, you know, you get to see on the inside. And I'll be very interested to see who they play, who they start, because we call it chemistry. Uh, they obviously had chemistry. They looked in sync. Field. We were talking about that a week ago, you know, uh, they looked like an SEC offensive line. That part of it was probably the team they were playing. But, but I mean, we've seen them give up sacks to those kinds of teams before and barely win games to and even lose years ago to people they absolutely should not have lost to. So 
I would stick with what was working for me and have Jones ready to go. Obviously, let him. He's going to play too. If you want to develop depth, if you can ever get depth at the offensive line position, you can buy for a championship. Uh, that's what Clemson did when they were really rolling. They had eight or ten guys that could play up front. Coach Caldwell was their coach at that time, and he'd been one of my coaches in college, and we talked about it. They had eight guys. They felt like one was good as the other, and that's when they were winning national championships, not just ACC. So continuity, if the offensive line coach has got his way, that's what he wants. He wants that chemistry, that continuity, because it's a team game, and they work better as a team. Coach, as always, it's great hearing from you. Enjoy uh, the week, getting ready for uh, the big two weekends coming up, important games for South Carolina Clemson. Plus, we'll look ahead to Furman and their playoffs coming up. And we got Division two playoffs with Benedict and, and Limestone. So we still got some, some good football ahead. We will talk to you next well, Monday. You guys have a great one, and congratulations to everybody winning this week. Thank you very much. That's the Thanks, coach, coach, Zach Willis. Yeah, that – that buyout he had from, let's see, Newberry and uh, Union College in Kentucky, yeah, that, that's, that set him up for life, I would say. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't think Jimmy Sexton is his, is his agent or anything like that. I'm not even sure Zach had an agent back in the day. Actually, I think he did have an agent, um, and his name escapes me. I think I knew his agent, and I think he was from Orangeburg, if my memory is correct. All right, we got to run to the break and come back with the recruiting update for tonight. 51 seconds to go in the half. South Carolina is leading VMI and it's 41 29 Gamecocks. That little run they had has uh, kind of put them in decent shape. Citadel leading uh, Presbyterian 20 to 19, about 7.49 to play. Florida State over Central Michigan. 37-24. Miami leads FIU 38-34. Be back. Hi, this is Billy Downer from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Are you looking for a safe place to shoot your rifle or handgun? Did you know that the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources operates four manned ranges across the state in Pickens County, Spartanburg County, Richland County, and Charleston County? For more information on our public ranges, visit dnr.sc.gov backslash shooting. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. George Bryan for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor. David Abernathy has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this, Tsunami Robbie? Transferring the training to the grass. This may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces. And the Tsunami Bar is the only bar in training that I know of 
that can train these reversal forces adequately at speed. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device, whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Investing can be like a puzzle. There's so many pieces to consider, and it can be hard to know where to start. But with the right guidance, you can put the pieces together to create a winning strategy. That's where Founders Investment Services come in. Our team of financial advisors can help you navigate the complexities of investing and create a personalized plan that fits your goals and risk tolerance. We'll work with you to identify the pieces of your puzzle and how they fit into your financial future. Call 866-739-7064 or visit foundersfcuinvestments.com to learn more about how we can help you take the first step to Towards reaching your financial goals. Securities offered through LPL Financial. The lottery is not about getting rich. It's about helping people. And it always has been. The lottery is what helped raise the Great Wall of China, build the roads of Rome, and today in South Carolina, it's what generates millions of dollars each year for scholarships like the SC Hope, Life, and Palmetto Fellows. The South Carolina Education Lottery is investing in you. Visit sceducationlottery.com slash better you to learn more. Farm Bureau Insurance's agricultural roots and ties to South Carolina farmers have shaped the company's culture and work ethic, providing a unique customer experience. Customers are treated like people, not policies. Now, while other insurance companies may have a one-size-fits-all approach to handling customers, we believe you need to be valued and treated right. Our claims professionals work until the job is done, and our agents still believe in the commitment that comes with a handshake. Call Buddy Bridges and Clinton and Lawrence at 864-923-217 for all of your auto, home, and life insurance needs. All right, recruiting time here on Sports Talk, brought to you by our good friends over at Seawells, the best food caterers in the world. Just talking about Johnson and Wales and how they're known for their their cooking. You know, they had to stop that game with Charleston Southern at the eight minute mark so they could go flip their souffles. Boom, boom. Um. Anyway, I thought it was funny. Nobody else does. Once again. Seawells, uh, they know when to flip their souffles because nobody cooks a souffle like the folks at Seawells, even better than Johnson and Wales. Uh, you can find out more at SeawellsCateringSC.com or call them at 803-771-7385. And Pat is anxious to tell you about the menu at the luncheon buffet this week. Oh, it's going to be a good one, too. And, Corn, I'm excited about tomorrow. I think you will be, too. 
bacon-wrapped meatloaf. Meatloaf. Along with southern fried chicken and then fried fish nuggets, which are outstanding. Has a good little sauce and, of course, gravy. Uh, Wednesday, celebrating a little bit of Thanksgiving. Carved turkey with cornbread dressing along with southern fried chicken. and Ooh, chicken pot pie. Then we'll give you the rest of the week here in a couple days, but they, they as in Seawells, will be open all five days of this week. No days off for private events. Make sure to get in there. It's a good menu all week long. And then don't forget all your local farm-fresh veggies, salad bar, and dessert. Sounds delish. Let's go to defensive end Cameron Fountain, 6'6", 237, Atlanta. Been committed to Southern Cal, but it looks like South Carolina's got a great chance to turn him from what he's telling us. He's been talking regularly to defensive ends coach Sterling Lucas, and he said he feels good about South Carolina. He likes both schools. Made an official to Southern Cal in early June before he committed and uh, is going to visit. He's planning on it. If he can get everything nailed down, he plans to visit South Carolina for the Kentucky game unofficially and then back for Clemson officially. He was also at USC for the Florida game. So very familiar with everything going on there. He said it's a high chance, a high chance that he will switch to the Gamecocks. Very family-based, feels good to him down there, the environment. So we shall see if that's going to happen over the next couple of weekends. He will be an early signee and enrollee. Tied in offensive tackle Luke Chilton, 6'7", 230. Frostburg State in Maryland has entered the portal, John, with four years of eligibility after redshirting. He's a native of Fredericksburg, Virginia. He visited USC unofficially last year. He tells us he's been in touch with recruiter Jody Wright, and a visit is in the works, and they like him as a tackle prospect. One of Clemson's remaining targets for the offensive line for this year made an official over the weekend, offensive guard Elijah Thurman of Hinesville, Georgia, scheduled for USC December 8th. He's also had Duke, Central Florida, LSU, Missouri, Georgia Tech, and Florida on his short list. Also making an official to Clemson over the weekend was linebacker Bradley Shaw, of Hoover, Alabama. This, according to Paul Strelo of Tiger Illustrated. Shaw also has made officials to Arkansas at Notre Dame, and Auburn has also been in play with him, too. 2025 receiver Abijah Webb of Pendleton, 25 receiver C.J. Wiley of Alpharetta, Georgia, 26 running back Sean Austin of Painesville, Ohio, 26 offensive tackle Desmond Green of Timberland, and 26 defensive end Luke Waffley of Middletown, New Jersey, also were at Clemson unofficially Saturday. One-time Clemson target tied in Ryan G. of Alpharetta, Georgia, committed to Auburn. Of course, Clemson has their 25 commitment at tight end. Running back Anthony Carey of Tampa was at USC unofficially on Saturday. He's been a Michigan State commitment, but he's still shopping around. Others at USC Saturday, or those who plan to be, 25 receiver Boykin Bickley of Dutch Fork. 25 defensive tackle Sterling Sanders of Blythewood. 26 defensive end Ahmad Scott of Greenwood. 26 quarterback Bryson Riggins of Seal. USC offered 25 cornerback Christopher Hatfield of Ludowici, Georgia. And 26 defensive back Jordan Thomas of West Orange, New Jersey. 26 receiver Jordan Gidron of Ridgeview offered by Florida State on a visit there over the weekend. 26 defensive back receiver Xavier Currents of South Point was at Florida State Saturday. Irmo safety Isaiah McClary, PWO offer from USC. Citadel basketball signed 6'10 center Graham Eikenberry of Barrington, Rhode Island. 
USC women's target Kennedy Smith committed to Southern Cal. There you go. That's recruiting for you here on Sports Talk. 41-33 at the break. A little more juicy uh, recruiting report than you've been able to uh, have for us last several weeks. Well, it's uh, some of Pat's gravy was slopped on there, so <laughs> made it just a, a little more juicy. Phil, uh, I saw that uh, Winston Watkins, Sammy Watkins' cousin, decommitted over the weekend from Colorado. Yeah. South Carolina's going after him. You think any chance the Gamecocks or maybe Clemson tries to sway him? Uh, I mean, there's always a chance. If you're out there and you're available, there's got to be a chance. Okay, Talking Tuesday coming up tomorrow. Chris, enjoy Clemson. Thank you, sir. I shall. I'll have the Gamecock. Smitty, thank you, sir. You have a wonderful day tomorrow. And thank you, Pat. (laughs) Everybody have a great night. See you tomorrow.